Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Woodburn Baptist Church. Welcome to you guys in the cafe, anybody joining us by audio or video podcast. It's WKU Day. Western Kentucky University is here in our home city in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and we love Western students, and they've all come back to school and therefore back to church, and we're just delighted to, to welcome them all back. In, in honor of WKU Day, I am wearing a Western shirt. This is an Under Armour shirt, y'all, which means this is compression fabric. It's tighter to show off my muscles. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, it fits me like your grandma's house coat. <laughs> and it is showing all of my muscles, actually. They're, they're all there for you. Uh, open your Bibles to the book. It wasn't all that funny, y'all. Uh, first, first Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4 as we look to God's Word together. I'm finishing up today a a message series entitled Loaded Words. We've been talking about the way that the words, some of the words that we use in church among believers, they don't sound the same and they're not understood the same once we get outside of church. Our, Our vocabulary of evangelism suffers because sometimes the words that outsiders attach, the meanings they attach to our words aren't the same meanings that we attach to the words, and therefore we find out we're not communicating at all. And when it's the gospel that we're communicating in this life on mission, then communication is very, very important. Now, on college campuses across the United States right now, there's a big controversy surrounding what they're calling trigger words, triggers. And some professors are actually issuing trigger warnings in in lecture or in presentations before they use certain words. It turns out that certain words can trigger uh, responses, whether it's it's trauma or or anxiety, fear, uh, sometimes anger, outrage. But we're trying to become sensitive to the fact that words can trigger emotions or responses is that the speaker may not have even expected to trigger words. Now, I'm calling them loaded words, but it's the same kind of idea that sometimes the words that you use to describe your faith actually trigger responses in people that you did not anticipate. And it turns out one of the most importantly loaded trigger words these days is a word that is very, very dear to most of us. It is the word with which we identify and associate ourselves gladly and with incredible privilege, understanding what it costs Jesus himself to give up his name. But we're talking about the word Christian. We are Christians, and we identify ourselves as Christians, but when you walk out into the world these days and identify yourself as a Christian, you may trigger a kind of hostility that you never anticipated. Well, there's nothing new about that. So open your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, and let's talk about what it means to be mistreated, uh, misunderstood, misinterpreted as a Christian. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ and his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. For the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. Verse 15. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. 
But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's own household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So, if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you. For he will never fail you. Several years ago, uh, a couple of researchers named David Kinnaman and Gabe Lyons wrote a book called Unchristian. Unchristian. And their book was absolutely uh, dedicated to simply research, polling, and then documenting the, the actual perceptions that non Christians have of Christians in our day. So, what they did was literally poll millions, millions of young, unchurched people, young, unchurched Americans, and simply ask them what their opinions were, what their perceptions was, what would be of, of Christians. The results are actually really, really disturbing. I don't know if it would be surprising to you, but absolutely disturbing to, 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 to see the actual results. And this is pretty much what they found out. The kinds of words that people associate with us, with, with Christians. Millions of Americans believe that Christians are, say the word, judgmental, hypocritical, closed-minded, anti-homosexual, too political, insensitive, and, say it, Pardon me? <laughs> Boring. Millions of Americans believe Christians are judgmental, hypocritical, closed-minded, anti-homosexual, too political, insensitive, and, and boring. When you go out into the world these days and you proclaim yourself as a Christian, you need to understand this is what you are most likely to trigger. This isn't the fringes of our culture. This is the mainstream of our culture. This is what they think of us. Now, you and I look at that list and, and we think, those words don't describe the Christians I know. Uh, that's what you're thinking. We look around this room, you think about the dear salt of the earth, light of the world kind of Christians you've always known. And you say, that this, this does not describe them. The Christians I know are not judgmental, not hypocritical. They're not closed-minded. They're not anti-homosexual. They're not too political. They're not insensitive. And they're certainly not boring. Okay, some of you are boring. Some of you are boring. I think one of the things we have to finally recognize is that it, it, it's, it's just a human thing. None of us is very good at seeing ourselves, especially the way other people see us. And, and we don't see ourselves this way. We don't think of ourselves as judgmental. We don't think of ourselves as hypocritical. But others do. And I think it would be very, very wise for us to listen to what other people say about us. Very, very important to pay attention to the reputation that we now have in the world. I admit it is devastating. But how do we explain this, this disconnect? How is it that we could say, listen, the Christians I know aren't like this, but then millions of Americans say that this is what they think. 
Most of us would say, well, the problem is most Americans haven't really met a real Christian. If they could come to our church, if they could know Christians like I've known Christians, the problem is most Americans don't know Christians anymore. Well, you know, that's what I thought too. That's what I said. That's what I was telling myself reading the book. They just haven't met any real Christians. Well, the the problem is over 50% of the respondents said they were basing their opinions after experiences with real Christians. So we're not talking about the fact that millions of Americans just don't go to church anymore, so they're not meeting real Christians. No, they are meeting Christians all the time, every day, and this is how they walk away after meeting us. So what does that say? I think it says whether we like it or not, a lot of Christians are hateful, judgmental, bigoted, boring people. We really have to face that. The reason we have this reputation is that a lot of Christians have been exactly this in the world. It's very difficult and devastating to admit, but the fact is, uh, in a lot of ways, we have earned the reputation that we have in the world. We've earned it. And we need to take that fact seriously. Now, remember, of course, what Jesus said. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 8, if the world hates you, remember it, say the words, it hated me first. That's what Jesus says. If the world hates you, now you just remember it hated me first. So there is the very truth of of the gospel and and the truth of the, the Christian's life that we really are not of this world and we don't blend in with the world very well. If you represent Christ and if you imitate Christ in this world, you're going to stick out. And the world is not likely always to appreciate your imitation and walking faithfully after Christ. You're going to be going against the flow of everything that the world values and and, and lifts up in this world. You see that? So very, very truly, there is a part of the Christian life that should just simply prepare you for the fact that you won't necessarily win a lot of friends by living for Jesus. If the world hates you, Jesus says, just remember, it, it hated me first. But look back at what 1 Peter says. Look at this verse right here. Verse 14 says this. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you'll be blessed. If you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you'll be blessed. Now, there will be insults for those of you who bear the name of Christ. Those of you who live after and imitate Christ, you won't necessarily be big man on campus at Western or any other place. Uh, Understand, they hated Jesus. They crucified Jesus. The closer you get to Jesus, the less likely it is that, that you are going to win a lot of friends. It's what the scripture says. If you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you'll be blessed because the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. Okay, but verse 15, this is where we need to start listening. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's business. Okay, so there's a distinction that's drawn here in the scripture. If people hate you, if people insult you, if people don't think well of you because you bear the name of Christ, then you should wear that as some sort of blessing. If people somehow insult you because of your imitation of Christ, you're probably doing it right. Understand that. But the scripture goes on to say, 
If people speak poorly of you, don't let it be because of because of other things. Don't let it be because you don't bear the name of Christ very well. Let me just say it this way, and you're not going to like this much, but let me just say, people will sometimes hate you if you're a Christian. They will always hate you if you're a jerk. Sometimes they'll hate you if you're a Christian, but they will always hate you if you're a jerk. And this is what Peter says. If you suffer, It can't be because you make trouble and because you can't keep your nose out of other people's business. There's a distinction here, a very, very important distinction to be made. Lots of us have called ourselves Christians, but we have not represented Christ well in the world. Non-Christians don't know a lot about Jesus at all, but they probably know two things. They probably know that Jesus taught people to love one another. If they don't know anything else, they know that Jesus said, love your neighbor. And they also know that Jesus said, don't judge. Somehow, never having stepped foot in the church, people know two things about Jesus. He preached love and he preached no judging. So when they see you and me at work or or, or you and I at school, they sort of expect two things out of us. They expect us not to judge people. Because we follow Jesus. And they expect us to love people because we follow Jesus. So if we do not live a life of love, and if we get all up in other people's business judging them, they immediately see that contradiction. It's so strange. We never see the contradiction. We can somehow rationalize all the meanness of our lives. We can rationalize the way we look down on people. We can excuse the way we judge people. We can make ourselves think that we're pleasing Jesus even as we contradict what he taught. He said, don't judge. He said, love people. The world understands this. Even if they don't value it, they understand it. And they expect us to value it because we bear his name. Christian. It comes from the name Christ. And we bear his name in the world. They expect us to live up to his name. If people insult you because of the way you bear the name of Christ, then then you're blessed for that. They hated Jesus. Don't be surprised if they hate you too when you follow Jesus. And as long as they're insulting you for Jesus' name, that's one thing. But don't let them insult you. Don't let the things they say about you be said because you're not living up to Jesus' name. True story. This lady was talking to me, actually a college student who's on Western's campus, and she said, I'm so tired of people thinking that I'm weird because I'm a Christian. I had to say, y'all, I had to say, no, girl, They're not thinking you're weird because you're a Christian. They think you're weird because you keep a ferret in your purse. (laughs) True story. She's telling herself, everybody thinks I'm weird because I'm a Christian. No, they think you're weird because you are one weird girl. I mean, y'all know what a ferret is? Like a weasel? She kept it in her purse. She came to church here once with it in her purse, y'all. She did. I'd have given, I'd have given a kidney out of my body if it got loose. I would have, y'all. I would have. Yeah. Turn the weasel loose and let's see who calls us boring then, man. We would be, 
one lit up church. Yeah, that girl's weasel come out of her purse. Yeah, you understand how we do? Oh, I'm being persecuted because I'm a Christian. No, you're being persecuted because you're a jerk. You, you, they think you're weird because you're weird. Now understand, you don't get to walk around and, and wear this mantle of persecution when honestly you bring it on yourself. And Peter makes that distinction. If you're going to suffer, don't let it be because you're just not a very good Christian. And the people saying, Pastor Tim, though, those people you're talking about, maybe they're just not Christians at all. See, that's the kind of distinctions we'll make here in church. We see everybody in two categories. There are Christians and non-Christians, believers and non-believers. And that's absolutely true. On Judgment Day, there's only going to be two destinations. You know, there's no gray place in the middle. But in real life, I think there's some space in the middle. And I think there's a third category we don't talk much about. But I honestly think there is such a thing as just a really bad Christian. They're just really, really bad Christians. I know that they exist because a lot of days I am one, a really bad Christian. And some of us are just not good Christians. Uh, Again, I'm taking this from Scripture. Look at what Peter says. Look at verse 18. If the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? If the righteous are barely saved, I mean, You could say of all of us, we're just barely saved. All of us sinners, all of us depending upon the grace and the goodness and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. It doesn't make me perfect. If you're waiting around for me to to, to stop being a hypocrite, you're going to have a long wait. There is so much of me that, that really hasn't been completely surrendered to Christ yet. I'm working on it by the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope that day by day I'm becoming more like Jesus, but I'm not completely like Jesus yet. When you look at me, you're always going to see contradictions. I I hate that that's true about myself, but I don't always love like Jesus. And I'm not always good at not judging people. It's quick. It's quick. I make judgments before I realize I've made judgments. There's this really difficult part of me. It's the old man, as Paul says, that I have to just put on the cross with Christ every day. I have to die daily, that's what Paul says. It's a struggle to walk after Jesus. It's difficult to imitate him. The nature of Christ is not my natural-born nature. I'm not saying we got to be perfect Christians. There's no such thing. And the people who say the church is full of hypocrites, no truer thing has ever been said. Your whole pew is full of hypocrites. Just take a look down at right now. Just take a look. We're all hypocrites. We all preach more than we can practice because we're all still in the process of being converted, in the process of becoming like Jesus. On that day when every eye sees him, the scripture says we will be changed in an instant and then we will become like him because we will see him as he is. In that moment, you all, I'm going to be perfect. But don't be expecting that out of me today. You're going to be disappointed. If the righteous are barely saved, barely saved. What what does that even say about godless sinners? But barely saved. Man, we're all barely saved, but let's be honest. For some of us, it really shows. It really shows. So the millions and millions of people these days, they... 
they say that we are not very much like Jesus. There are a, a lot of non-believers, actually, who are very drawn to Jesus, but very, very turned off by his people. We need to listen to that. The scripture says that it's time for judgment. And where does it start? With the Democratic Party. Yeah, that's how we think, isn't it? Judgment's going to start in San Francisco, in Logan County. But the judgment, no, no, no. Where does the judgment begin? What does the scripture say? What does Peter say? The time has come for judgment, verse 17, and it must begin God's own household. It starts right here with us. So, so it, there is some judging to be done. There is. Right here. Peter says probably some judging needs to happen, and it needs to start where? Yeah, right here. Right here. And probably the best place for the judgment to begin is in my own mirror. There's such a thing as bad Christians, you all. If you don't believe that, listen to what they're saying about us. There's such a thing as bad Christians. They're just saying, don't be one. A bad Christian. Back to the scripture. It is no shame, verse 16, it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Just want you to remember that. It is a privilege to be called by Jesus' name. It's a privilege. I had a kid in youth group back here a long time ago. His name is Nathan Hale. He's a great kid. But one day I said something to Nathan about, Nathan, okay, we'll get to camp now. I need you to do this, this, and this. He said, hey, you don't have to tell me that. I'm a Hale. You know, where'd he get that? I'm a Hale. So Nathan Hale is his name. I'm a Hale. You don't have to tell me how to behave. I'm a Hale. Got that from his daddy. Isn't that good? His daddy, every time he left, said, hey, you're a Hale. You know, you're a Hale which means you need to live up to the name. Expect a lot more out of you. You're a hail. We are Christians. We have his name. Remember the price that he paid to give you his name. It is a privilege to be called by his name. It's privilege. Don't be ashamed of it. Scripture says, if you're ashamed of me before this godless generation, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. You, you, you don't be ashamed of Jesus. It's a privilege to be called by his name. Number two, don't worry about being embarrassed of Jesus' name. Worry about being an embarrassment. Do you know what I mean by that? Quit worrying about being embarrassed. You're stepping on to a college campus for a new semester. It's intimidating. You're meeting lots of new people. You want to make a good first impression. You're concerned that if you come out early as a Christian, they'll judge you. They'll think that you're hypocritical. They'll think that you're anti-gay, that you're anti-science. They'll think you're bigoted and hateful. They'll think you're closed-minded. They'll think you're boring. They will think you are the pooper of every party. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about being embarrassed of the name of Jesus. You worry about being an embarrassment. You wear that name that he died to give you, and you wear it well. Don't bring dishonor to his name. 
Look at what the scripture says. Turn back a page, we to 1 Peter chapter 3. Just back one page, 1 Peter chapter 3. I'll give you verse 16 on the screen, but I'm going to go back to verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Verse 16. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed. When they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. There's such a thing as suffering for doing right. And when you suffer for doing right, that's honorable. If you're insulted because of the way you imitate Christ, that's honorable. You're actually blessed. You're becoming more like Jesus every day. But notice what he says. Keep your conscience clear. If people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live. Understand that? In in other words, if somebody's going to be ashamed, let it be the people who would criticize you. The people who would cause, call you judgmental. Make it so that when they, when, when they say that against you one day, they'll just be embarrassed because it's impossible to call you that because of the life you actually live. Nobody could ever call you a gossip because if they knew you very well, they'd know that you just don't speak poorly of people who aren't around to defend themselves. That they'd know that. They wouldn't say that you're hateful because they would know how you love people. Do you understand what it says? They will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Belonging to Christ is supposed to change the way you live your life. And if you say you belong to Christ, but you continue to live like hell, then, then understand you're not living up to his name very well. There's nothing dishonorable about being called a Christian. But you and I sometimes, because of the way we live our lives, we bring dishonor to his name. Call yourself a Christian and you're going to trigger something in the world these days because by now, they've seen a lot of bad ones, bad Christians. I'm saying when you got into the world, you keep your conscience clear. You live your life in such a way where... If they say something bad about you, if they insult you, if if they try to criticize you, they'll be ashamed of themselves when they see the life you live because you belong to Christ. You belong to Christ. You are a Christian. Wear his name well. Pray with me. Oh, Lord Jesus, forgive us. Lord, we who walk out into a world, the the, the people, Lord, who are godless and and, and sinners, Lord, we walk out into their midst and and we worry about what they will think of us because we're Christians. We, We worry, Lord, what they think of us. First off, Lord Jesus, may we always fear you and not fear people. May we always be more concerned of how we look in your eyes and how we look in the eyes of people, Lord. It is you that we long to please. 
So, Lord Jesus, help us to wear your name and to wear it well. Lord, people know that we go to church, and people know that we represent you, Lord, and they're looking for something different in our lives. They may not believe, but they watch our lives, Lord. It's said that we may be the only Bible that some people will ever read, Lord, and if we're the only Bible they're reading, then God help a lot of them. Because, Lord, we don't live what we teach and preach and say we believe very well. We walk in the name of Jesus who loves sinners, Lord, but we don't love people very well outside our family. And some of us don't love family well. Lord Jesus, we don't have your love in our hearts. Help us. Forgive us, Lord. Lord, you've asked us not to judge, but some of us are known. We're known for our critical spirit, for the way, Lord, that we judge and the way we discern and the way we turn up our nose and turn our back on people, Lord. We're known for that. God, help us. Help us. Jesus was not known for that. He was known for his mercy. He was known for his grace. Oh, Lord Jesus, may we walk after you and become more like you. The world needs to know that the gospel is real. And if those of us, Lord, who say that our lives are changed by the gospel live a life that is unchanged, Lord, then they will not believe the gospel when we preach it. Make our lives a living testimony of the beauty and grace and power and truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ whose name we bear and in whose name we pray. Amen.